Hey everyone, it's Krista Bontrager and I'm your tour guide this year as we go through the Bible as part of the Route 66 campaign for Grace Church of Glendora. This is the Points of Interest podcast where we preview this week's reading and get you ready to get into the Word of God. Are you ready? Here we go! We're picking up the story this week right in the middle of the book of Acts at Acts chapter 14. We're going to make our way through the rest of the book of Acts and then start in the book of Romans. Just the first couple of chapters as we're getting now into the part of our journey where we're, we're really starting to see some familiar landmarks. You know, as you're almost home after a long road trip, you're starting to see some familiar landmarks. That's kind of where we're at right now in our journey through the Bible. And so when we pick up the story in, in chapter 14 of Acts, Paul and Barnabas are still on their missionary journey going throughout the Mediterranean world. But what's happening is that after the conversion of Cornelius and his household, the Holy Spirit has now come to the Gentiles. And this opens up not only new avenues of ministry for Paul and Barnabas, but it also opens up a whole new set of theological problems and, and practical ministry issues in that more and more Gentiles are coming to faith in Christ. Now, as Paul and Barnabas travel, they're not only preaching in the synagogues, they're also going out into the marketplace and they're strengthening the disciples. They're, sometimes they're going back to, to cities that they previously visited. They're starting to appoint elders for the church to, to stay there and care and shepherd those Christians that are in each city. But they're seeing more and more that God has opened the door of faith for the Gentiles. And so then we get to this very pivotal chapter in Acts chapter 15. And this is one of the most important chapters in all of scripture. Because it's going to clarify the relationship of the Gentiles to the Mosaic Covenant. The question before them in the first verses of chapter 15 is that some men came down from Judea to Antioch. So from Judea, these would have been Jews, to the church in Antioch, which is now being established as a, as a key sending church, but is predominantly Gentile. And they were teaching the brothers or the Christians there, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So the question is, is do you need to become a Jew in order to become a true and full Christian? And what is the Gentile Christian's relationship to the customs taught by Moses? This is a question that will be central and figure prominently in a number of places as we continue to move forward through the rest of the New Testament. And where we're at in our overall grand narrative of the Bible, the door has now been opened for the Holy Spirit to come in and dwell in the Gentiles. But what needs to be clarified is how those Gentiles are part of the new covenant and whether the new covenant will require them to obey the customs taught by Moses. 
So there's a church council that gets together, has a theological discussion, some ideas and arguments are presented, some support verses from the Old Testament come forth and they debate and they decide and they write a letter and basically it says, you know, there's some minimal behaviors that we think it's a good idea for you to abstain from, but in general, they're, they're not telling them that they need to become Jews or to become circumcised in order to be Christians. And this leaves the door open then for Paul and Barnabas to continue their ministry, leaving Antioch and going out into all the world, bringing the gospel to the nations. As they make their way through the Mediterranean world again on two more mission trips, what we're going to see is the fulfillment of Acts 1.8, that the gospel is going out to the remotest part of the earth. And in chapter 17, many Gentiles we see come to faith during a kind of a, a public sermon to Gentiles, not Jews, but Gentiles there at, that Paul gives at Mars Hill at the Areopagus. The face of the church is beginning to change from predominantly Jews to Gentiles. The ending of the book of Acts in chapter 28 could be viewed as sort of strange and abrupt, but when you look at it through the lens of Acts 1-8, it makes perfect sense. Paul has this rather treacherous and circuitous route that he gets to in Rome. He's under guard in Rome. He's been arrested. He's waiting for his trial. But what's interesting here is that he's in Rome. He's reached the capital of the Roman Empire. And in that sense, for Paul, that was the ends of the earth, if you will. He was reaching to the highest order of the power structures in Rome, and he has reached the heart of Rome and brought the gospel with him. And speaking of Rome, the very next book is the book of Romans. And we'll only be reading the first three chapters this week, but boy, Romans is such a foundational book. It really lays out the heart of Christian theology. If you want to know what Christianity is about in a nutshell, the book of Romans is a great place to start. And in chapter one, we see immediately the problem that's in view in the book of Romans. And that is in verse five, that God has called people from among all the Gentiles to obedience that comes through faith. The, the problem that we saw in Acts chapter 15 is still lurking in the church. And so now Paul gives this treatment in the book of Romans, a full theological treatise on the question, what is the relationship between Jews and Gentiles? And what is the relationship between Gentiles and the Mosaic law? Now, this highlights a very important point of understanding an epistle. An epistle is an ancient letter, and the Bible is not the only ancient book to have epistles. It was a very common literary form, a way of communicating. We have many other examples from other people at the same time of the ancient world of writing epistles. And, and the, the apostles' epistles were, were very similar in format, but you know, different in content, and they had a, a theological focus. But what's important to understand about epistles is what is the situation that gives rise to the, the prompting 
of the author to write this epistle. Reading an epistle is a little bit like listening to one end of a telephone conversation. You've got to kind of fill in your best guess of what's happening on the other end of that telephone conversation. We only have one side of the conversation here in the book of Romans, but there are clues that Paul gives us as to what the conversation is, what's the problem that Paul is attempting to address. And that highlights a second important component of interpreting epistles, and that is they're very occasional pieces of theology. It's not a theological textbook where everything is ordered and structured and organized in a, in a certain way. It is a letter, essentially, that's addressing a very practical problem, but it's using theology to do it, and it's prompted by a certain occasion, and that's what I mean by it's occasional theology. And so the occasion that Paul is writing about is, again, about the Gentiles and what is going to be their relationship to the Jews and how are they saved? Are they saved by works or are they saved by faith? And how does that compare with the ancient covenants? Were the Jews saved by faith or by works? And he's trying to clarify some misunderstandings and, and misconceptions along the way. What I think is interesting about Paul's argumentation here is that he starts off in chapter 1 talking about what all people know. Jews and Gentiles alike are under the condemnation of God because God has revealed himself through the record of nature, but they have denied that revelation and they have instead invented their own religion, the worship of creation, and they've invented their own morality. And as a result, they are under the condemnation of God. And then he turns to the Jews in chapter two, and he says, you don't have an excuse either. You had special revelation. The Gentiles had general revelation. They had the revelation of creation. The Jews had special revelation. They had God's direct word, and yet they showed contempt for it. They didn't regard the riches of, of God's word in the way that they should, and they are also condemned. And then in chapter 3, it's sort of a summary of the matter that both Jews and Gentiles are under the condemnation of God, and we have this very powerful passage starting in chapter 3, verse 9. What shall we conclude then? Are we, in other words, are we Jews any better than Gentiles? Not at all. We have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. No one is righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. It's a very direct and powerful condemnation of Jews and Gentiles. We're all under sin. And that's why it says at the end of verse 22, there is no difference for all have sinned. In other words, all Jews and Gentiles have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through redemption that came in Jesus Christ. Just as all people are under sin, Jews and Gentiles alike, all people are saved in the same way. Jews and Gentiles are both saved by grace through faith. And then Paul will begin to develop that argument in chapter four and following that Jews are in fact saved 
by faith, not by works. They never have been. It's a misunderstanding of the Old Testament to say that the Jews were saved by works. Well, that's all for now. This week's reading should be fairly easy for you. As we continue next week, we'll be finishing out the book of Romans and getting started in the book of first Corinthians. And boy, is that an interesting church. Lots of crazy things happening there. So we'll look forward to that next time. We have only got about five podcasts left in our journey through route 66. So let's all finish strong and encourage one another and spur each other on to good works as we read through God's word together and finish out the year. We'll see you next time. Thanks and God bless.